Traveling the Vortex. We join two Briggs and a Dame as they astral project through the timeline and arrive at episode 501. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. It's been two, three weeks now since we recorded. Of course, you know, we had to recover from our big 500, so. Yeah, that was a party to end all parties there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Well, I still have some of those songs in my head. (laughs) (laughs) There has been a lot of stuff we've did this week and last week and the week before, so let's just skip over that and talk about uh, the big news that came out this week. Well, let's first talk about the news that came out last week, which was the uh, Galaxy 4 animation getting its first, the first, um, first Doctor animated uh, set in, well, number one in a while. And number two, that uh, well, I guess they wouldn't be fully animating it, but it'll be in the style of the um, recent second Doctor stuff, where we'll have the color version and the black and white version, and it'll be in HD. So, well, it won't be for us because we get the C- the DVD here. But now you I'm said so looking not... forward to seeing the moving pictures for Galaxy Four. Yeah, me too. You said not fully animated, but. They've done that with the last couple well, of releases. They've yeah, gone ahead, even if an episode exists, they've gone uh, yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I guess I, I that that's kind of what I meant, but then I remembered there was a surviving episode or two, and then, I, yeah, but you're right. It is come to be completely, completely animated like, like the previous or the, the most recent ones they've been doing. And I have to say I am uh, relatively pleased with the... Um, box art on it because yeah. I, I think that you know i've complained of, of the simplicity of the the box art especially for the faceless ones and for the macro terra but i think that uh progressively they're getting better it's like they're including a little more uh in them and so i i really like this one i think it looks good that and, and i think evil of the daleks i think the the box art for that looks a lot better than we've been getting so i think they're they're coming along uh still not great i still think there could be they could be a little splashier but i i, I think the box art's coming along it's not like we're asking you to animate the cover for pete's sake right <laughs> They used to produce those gorgeous covers, and now it's just kind of like, uh, well, slap some of the drawings on. And that's what it feels like, is that they're just slapping, you know, this is, here's a here's a clip from the animation, and they're just slapping it on the cover. Well, they're spending so much time and love on the animation, the cover is a last-minute thought. <laughs> is that it? I, you know, I've been kind of back and forth on the color, black and white, on the animations and of the ones they're going to colorize, this seems like it would fit the bill really well. Even best based off the one clip they gave, it fits that kind of kitschy sixties sci-fi. That's techno color. Galaxy four is the story. That's going to really sell that color at uh, animation more so than the others i think yeah it's very lost in space yeah yeah that kind of those b b budget films of the 50s and 60s almost like doctor who and the daleks yeah yeah 
it kind of has that feel to it. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. I'm glad that we're, it, it really feels like, of course, now it still feels like they're doing the ones that they think will sell, sell. And it still concerns me that they will decide not to do some of them because I think if they don't start sprinkling some of the, let's say, not so flashy, not so sci-fi stories like Highlander and Space Pirate, well, Space Pirates, I think, could get an animation after having reviewed it, but some of those, I'm a little worried that we won't necessarily get those in animation because they just feel like they're not going to be able to sell them. Do you guys remember a couple of years ago that they did a vinyl for Galaxy 4? I do seem to remember something about that. It almost seems like they're putting out these vinyl CD vinyl, vinyl albums of stories that are missing to gauge the reaction of how well they sell and then animating them after that. What else have they done then that was I don't know there's like, there's like a couple others I want to say that have been like, "Oh yeah, that's a missing episode. It'd be nice if they animated that one." I remember thinking that several times when I've seen that news. Huh. And then later it almost is like it has happened. I could be. I haven't done the research to prove my correlation. But... <laughs> a Marco Polo, that'd be a cool story. I hope they animate that one. <laughs> See if it Which works. Kind of, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think just recently. you saying it is going to make it happen. No. <laughs> That's what Keith said. <laughs> no, when I see the vinyl, I say that. So go find out and see if they've done a Marco Polo vinyl and then say that. <laughs> Glenn, I'm I'm going to disagree with Glenn on the uh, I don't I I disagree that the BBC is not going to take a look at animating all of the missing episodes at some point, and I will explain why a little bit later when we get into the next piece of news. But uh, uh, you know, I, there was a part of me that was just a teeny bit bummed because it's like, oh, we've already seen Galaxy Four. Uh, and then there was another part of me that's like, Chumblies, yay! So. <laughs> well, and we haven't, I mean, we have seen Galaxy 4, but truthfully, we could have seen Macro We could have seen some of these other ones that they're animating, too, because there are almost as many surviving uh, um, episodes as there is of this one we just happened to have gotten a little bit of a treatment of this one because it it uh, was on the uh, gunfighters uh with the truncated you know uh, uh oh reconstruction somewhat so we we feel like we've seen it but we haven't seen it seen it so yeah that's true yeah i'm i'm, I'm and, and you know peter capaldi's got to be over the moon right now his, oh, his, his right. favorite Doctor Who monster getting animated? Come on. Maybe we'll get some pretty decent action figures now, too. <laughs> yeah, because you can add them to your collection, Keith. How many do you have so far? Of what? <laughs> action figures. <laughs> oh, I got quite a few. You oh, know. you do? I, I guess you, you got... Uh, uh, if they're the big ones. Yeah. I've got some 11th Doctor runs. Well, let's move on to the big news of the week. The fact that uh, Russell T. Davis will be uh, returning as showrunner for Doctor Who. Yeah! 
I'll tell you, when I first saw the news, I was pretty excited about it because I think that's a that's probably a, a great idea uh, to bring somebody back, especially into the fold that's familiar and can really kind of reinvigorate re, re the, uh, the, the franchise. But when I initially read it, I read it as he was coming back to do the 60th anniversary. And I thought, oh, well, everybody's getting, you know, all wound up on this. And thinking that, you know, this is him coming back to to be showrunner. And then as I started reading a little closer the press release, I realized, no, it's for coming back as showrunner, the next showrunner of Doctor Who. So it's even beyond uh, whatever they do for the 60th. So that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I concur. I my, my first thought, well, after I picked my jaw up off the floor, because, I mean, of, of all of the names... Of all of the names you could have thrown out there, uh, <laughs> not on the list for me. You know, <laughs> just, I kind of assumed we'd been there, done that, had the T-shirts, and you know, we're, we've moved on. Not, not going to happen. Um, but then it was like, ooh, is this a step backwards? That was my first gut reaction too. Before I started thinking about it more. Because it, it feels, in, in some ways, it feels like a retreat. It feels like it's a step back. It feels like a step to safety, a return to the familiar. In some ways, it feels very much like a potential corporate rebuke of uh, the way that uh, Chibnall has handled the property. Um, in some ways, it feels like it, it... I mean, it could be construed those ways, obviously. But then I sat on it for a little bit longer. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I was excited, but I, I was just like, wow, that's, that's some big news there. And, and as with Glenn rereading it and going, okay, so it's not just the 60th, it's show running Doctor Who and, you know, and beyond the next season and, and further. And that they didn't put a, a specific timestamp on it, which I think is interesting. It's not that he's going to be the showrunner for the next three years or five years or 10 years. It's just he's the guy for the foreseeable future mm -hmm. and it's kind of open-ended and then all of the other tidbits of news started kind of coming down the pipe and uh, of course we we've heard from everybody you know every, every all, all the news media went running to billy piper so are you coming back to doctor who and they're running with these clickbait articles about how yes i'd come back if there was a story that required it and yeah, made sense and blah, blah. I mean, you know, the standard actor's answer, but of course that's not what we see in the, the, the clickbait pages. They just run with, Oh, Billy Piper's coming back. Maybe. Uh, and one of them really intrigued me and I shared it with you guys, but it was kind of the idea that, um, the BBC looks at Dr. Who as, you know, obviously a premier franchise and that they want more out of it, which honestly is great because we've lived under the shadow of the BBC acts for so long. Even when the show is successful, I don't know that we believe it as fans. Um, you know, they took it away from us once and I, I feel like we, we, we're still... We're still worried about it. And so if if they want more out of it, and especially now apparently, and Glenn, you might know more about this than, than, than I am because you're a, a big behind-the-scenes guy, 
apparently one of the deals with HBO Max is that they are now a a full financial partner in the show. Did you hear that? Yeah, so I think we have to be really really careful because the ever since this announcement and we know that 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 Russell has Big Wolf Productions now. That's kind of his big production company. But we have to be really careful because I had heard all of these different things about HBO Max about and I don't think that it would be unheard of them for them to pursue these kind of things and make uh, these moves to to do a Disney Plus style, uh, you know, spinoff universe kind of thing, because that's kind of where everybody's going. But I think everybody needs to be really careful because the HBO Max stuff, I cannot validate it anywhere. I can't even validate okay. that they've been talking to HBO Max. Now, it makes sense because HBO Max is Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers has always had a relationship with BBC Worldwide. They've been the U.S. distributor of the discs for what 20 years now or the even even the video for 20 years now and so but i think we have to be real careful but i know where you're going with this because i do think it's plausible that these things could happen but i think we need to be careful by saying that that that's the next steps because i don't know that they are i think there's a lot of a large i think you can safely assume because bad wolf productions has a lot of productions at hbo yes I mean, that's where one, this is coming from yeah, they're they're producing his dark materials and industry and a discovery of witches and they have a lot of shows that this production company works on. So I think that's where all of this idea of well HBO is going to help fund BBC or Doctor Who is because his previous working relationship with Bad Wolf and the production company he started has been working with HBO. Exactly. And Doctor Who is streaming. On HBO yeah, and, and that is the streaming destination. The, the new series is. So we will say unconfirmed, unsubstantiated reports, <laughs> but logical assumptions. Yes. If yes. we're going to connect these dots. And one of them is an interview that Russell himself gave where he was asked about, you know, Torchwood and uh, all, all the other shows. And he commented, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something to the effect of, yeah, I was kind of at the nexus of a, a whole universe. God, I was 10 years early, wasn't I? Um, and then later in that interview, he said, there should be a whole Doctor Who channel at this point. He, he says, if you if you look at the, the success of the show and the way that it's run, he says, we should be doing things like the Nyssa Adventures and the return of Donna Noble and uh, uh, the doctors 10 and 11 getting together for a 10 episode mini run. He says when you, and he called out Disney plus specifically, but he says, you know, when you look at the way that this stuff is, is being produced now, there's absolutely no reason that doctor who should not be included in that. So now this is, this is my theory. I mean, we all can count on one hand, the number of times I've been right, <laughs> but I think that the reasoning that they went back to Russell. I, I foresee that he has kind of been tapped to be the Kevin Feige of the Doctor Who universe. That we're going to turn it over to him and let him go and trust his judgment to use the talents. And I mean, because he's, he's at the top of the television producing world right now, as far as the, the English airwaves are concerned 
we're going to turn it over to him and see what he can do and then allow him to bring in the talent to continue to nurture and expand and create this shared universe. I look for a return of Torchwood. I would not be surprised at all if class comes back. Obviously, Sarah Jane Adventures is, uh, you know, probably a no-go. Um, but there are other the options. Ronnie adventures or Exactly. There are other options there that, that, that could happen. I would not be at all surprised to see announcements on those other shows within a year of his tenure starting. Um, and I think that's the plan. I think that they really want to tap into that same psyche because the BB, according to what I'm hearing, the BBC genuinely feels like Doctor Who can compete on the, the main stage. They feel like they've got a product that is just as compelling as Star Trek. And you look at Paramount Plus and how, I mean, my God, how many Star Trek shows do we have on the air right now? It's, it's kind of insane. There's not been this level of activity in that franchise forever. Uh, if ever. <laughs> <laughs> and BBC apparently feels that they've got something that is just as compelling if they want to sink the money into it. And I think they think that RTD is the way to go with it. So that's my two cents. As I said, it's a theory disproven at this point, but I, I think it's a logical one and it makes sense. And it's a bit of a relief to, to not hear the, the doom and gloom forecast <laughs> yeah yeah well Which we get so much of i i would i would argue just a couple of points i agree with you almost 90 percent of that i, I think that it, it they are looking for a, a a flagship franchise piece to to branch out i don't see them returning with torchwood and i don't see them returning with class either one i see them going forward with new ideas and new 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 connections to doctor who uh, if i'm to be honest um, I think also. Well, I think we'll get those too. No, I, yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I think I think they realize going to Torchwood and and Class, especially because Class was not well received. I think they're going to. I think they'll they'll they look they'll even Russell T Davis will look at that as a step a step backwards instead of a step forward. So I really I, I agree that they they're looking for a, a franchise branching brand, but I I don't see them rehashing Torchwood in any way. Um, especially as far away as they are from everything has happened, especially some of the controversy that's surrounded recent characters or recent actors. Uh, so I just, I don't see that. And class didn't just did not do what it needed to do to, to sustain where it was. And I don't think that, that anybody's going to want to put any faith in that series again. Uh, but I, but I completely agree with you that, that, that this is, this is a cinematic universe, um, well, not really cinematic, but a uh, a uh, flagship universe uh, idea that they're they're pushing forward. Um, I I would not be surprised at all if it landed on HBO Max because, as you said, uh, they are already in bed with Bad Wolf uh, Productions on a lot of that stuff. I think, though, the other thing that I would disagree with you is because I think it's a best of both worlds scenario. I think that your initial gut reaction of was this a return to safety is accurate. Because I think it's, as I say, a best of both worlds. They they get uh, Russell's vision for being able to helm in a Feige-style way a Doctor Who universe that expands out into, into various spinoffs. But it also is a 
hey, we can bring back those fans that didn't like what Chibnall was doing, didn't like the new doctor, didn't like how these stories were going. So it is a safety net for those people that they feel that they've left. And I think that even though it is a minority of people that have been the complainers for the last three, four years, it's been a very vocal one that has done a lot of damage online. And it's tarnished an image. And I think that they realize that going back to Russell also is more of a, a security blanket for those kind of people. And if we can bring them back into the fold, we may not have as much negativity, negativity perceived negativity out there surrounding our, our show. I, I kind of had the same reaction as Sean initially of, oh, this feels like a step backward. And then, and until I started thinking more about it, it's only a step backward if RTD goes back to the well. Right, right. If it's, I don't think he's going to do that, though. I think he is going to move forward and do different things and new things. And I think because he understands the show as well as he does, he knows that the show needs to move forward and evolve and change and grow, as it always has and always will. And he won't try to drag it back, though former glory times will try to make new glory times with new characters and new doctors. Mm -hmm. So I think anybody hoping that uh, Billy Piper or David Tennant are going to come back and reprise the roles of Rose and, and the doctor recurringly consistently are going to be very disappointed. Yeah, I and I hope to point and laugh at those people. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a uh, harsh. <laughs> no one wants Rose back. Come on. <laughs> Uh, Certainly nobody on this podcast. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, even, you know, Glenn, if, if you're right, and I, I certainly hope that you are, if this is BBC looking at this as an attempt to win back fans, then that to me seems to kind of confirm the, the status of Doctor Who as a treasured property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That it's not one that's on the auction block, as mm-hmm. it were. That, right. that that they are, you know, if they're that concerned about it, that we're going to go back and bring. And, and we don't know. We don't know the motivations of this, obviously. And I doubt we will ever know. They're not going to make. You know, <laughs> I very severely doubt that anybody at the BBC who is still employed at the BBC at the time is going to come forth and go, "Yeah, we were really pissed off with Chris Chibnall," and we're just not going to hear that. No, and maybe I, down the road we'll get a disgruntled producer who was fired, and, and he'll I, say something. I don't <laughs> think that it, I don't think anybody was disappointed with Chibnall. I just think that there is uh, there is some behind the scenes. Yeah, I I never heard an ill will or ill word or any non support for Chibnall or Jody from the BBC ever. And of course, yeah. they're not going to do that publicly. But even there wasn't even some rumblings within there of them. They were still backing the show. They were still, and you know that we had that we went through this whole year of well, Jody hasn't been on the cover of this, and Jody hasn't been featured here, and Jody hasn't. Well, no, because Jody's doctor hasn't been on air, so they have no reason to promote it. So you know why, why, why not share the wealth with all of the 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 entire franchise? So I don't I don't ever feel I don't think that they were ever not behind Chibnall. They have as much as everybody says Doctor Who was failing. It was not failing. It hasn't been failing. Its numbers haven't been what they were, you know, ten years ago. But they haven't been what they were for ten years ago for ten years, and the show was still 
as watched by as many people as it has been in the last six years. So it's not like people right. weren't watching. It's not like people were. It was just a small group of naysayers that were tarnishing the reputation of the show. And I think that they look at this as a win-win in both situations. I I think even less that the BBC was just happy with Chibnall. I think it was more, if anything, there's no other, there's no heir apparent at this point. Uh, There's not been a recurring writer like there was with Moffat. And Chibnall. During Chibnall's run that... (laughs) would be able to step into the showrunner role. Mm -hmm. There's no one that has enough experience on the show and have written enough and worked on it enough to kind of know how it works enough to take over the reins to run it. So going back to somebody who's done it before also makes a lot of sense in that sense of it will be more cost effective because somebody knows who knows what they're doing is running the show. Uh, They'll be able to produce better product because they're not so overwhelmed with all the other things they have to do more than just write an episode you know so there's there's a whole lot more to show running than i think a lot of people give credit for and having experience either running a previous show or um working continuous regularly on doctor who is gonna make a big difference i think what i also see happening is i bet we don't see a lot of russell t davis pinned episodes uh, we may see one, we may see, see two, but I, I bet we don't see a lot of them. I bet I, I bet he takes a real Feige approach, and is the guiding hand, and has an outline, and has a you know has a vision. But I bet he will use a lot of different writers. Maybe he'll bring back writers that he's you know very familiar with, he's very comfortable with, uh, he has a lot of faith in. But or hopefully I really, some new writers that he's worked with since he left the show. Yeah, that too. And when well, that's what I mean, I don't mean specifically from Doctor Who. I mean every everything that he's done. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, but I I really bet he'll it'll be more hands off as far as writing specific episodes. If anything, it'll be writing a Bible and saying this is what our vision is. This is what everybody needs to stick to. Because, I wouldn't be surprised if the first season he writes more than he does later. Yeah, well, because if you look, even in his first his tenure, he wrote less and less as he went along. He wrote a lot more yeah. early in the in the series than he did later in the series. He just kind of he would always write those key stories or those those you know ones that needed to put a a bow on things. So, well, and I mean, he had three shows on the air at the time, so right. that's right. <laughs> Not at all unusual, and I, I agree. I think we'll see probably the uh, the, the pilot of the new season. I, I think will will be one of his, possibly the first two, depending upon uh, you know how things go. But I agree with you. I think we'll see less content from him as far as a writing standpoint goes. Well, and I think he'll write the sixtieth. I'm pretty sure he'll have. And oh, that, yeah. that'll be his first one. So, in fact, I bet he's, so, ar- I bet he's already started. <laughs> <laughs> He, he and Moffat have gotten together and are playing with action figures. <laughs> so do we feel, I, I, I saw one, uh, a couple of comments on this that, well, there goes any chance of Eccleston coming back to, to return to the role now. I don't think, and I, 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 I feel like, I don't think he was going, to, he was going to either because even before this announcement, he is still, He's still been pretty adamant that he would not go back to the television side of this. That he's enjoying yeah. what he's doing at Big Finish, but he wouldn't go back to the television. He's still been pretty pretty staunch on that opinion. So, no, I, I mean, 
I, I suppose I could see where people are coming from by saying that, but I just, I, I can't strictly say that this is like the nail in the coffin for him coming back either. Well, and I, I guess I'm confused as to, did, did we ever get a confirmation that, that Russell was the issue? I mean, I kind of got the impression that it was just overall the way television was run and that it wasn't directed at any one individual. Uh, it was a little bit but of I, that. I may be wrong. It was a little bit of that, but I think he did butt heads with both uh, him and Julie. Um, oh, what was the other producer's name? Uh, Julie. Um, oh, I can't remember her last name. Anyway, you said that, now I can think of as Newmar. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think he butted heads with, with them as well. But, yeah, it was. Well, if nothing else, is just because they were the, they're the faces of right, right. the problem, yeah. of whatever problem was going on. They're the ones that were the head of it all. And and I don't think it was even so much. I, I, I still, I, I don't know too much about it, but I still have this gut feeling that it was as much Eccleston as it was them. So, I mean, it's just, I think he had one idea of how things needed to be done and they had one idea and another idea how things needed to be done. And it just didn't, they didn't, didn't gel. Yeah. Well, I it agree. sounds like the, the workload itself also wasn't quite what he was anticipating either. Right. right. Television's a big deal. <laughs> well, I mean, I seriously, Glenn certainly <laughs> can attest to that. Right, I mean, one one season of Tough Grit, and yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and then we and, 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 and we, that's a small. Show. I was gonna say we had it a lot easier than some of the big shows too. So we we did not have fans on Twitter screaming at us about the way this one was written. I mean, <laughs> we did not have the expectations of a gigantic multi zillion dollar company. Well. Kind of, but not the same. <laughs> no, but we had a lot of um, corporate influence. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mess, but anyway. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Well, let's oh. uh, let's wrap up our discussion here. Anything else you guys want to mention about Russell taking over? RTD? I'm loving... I'm loving the abbreviation RTD2. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember who I first saw uh, do that. And I thought that was really clever. And then I, after I saw a lot of people doing that, I thought, well, now who do I credit with that? <laughs> 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 I mean, it's not that it made it any less clever, but now I, I, I don't know whether the first person I saw do it was the originator and was more clever than anybody else that might've come up with it. To whoever the first person was who came up with that, we salute you. <laughs> I'm excited. Right. Me too. Well, let's move on to our review of Rise of the Dominator. London, 1973. A man in police custody burns to death with no known cause of ignition. And Travers and Bill Bishop find themselves catapulted into the middle of a police investigation into the rise to power of the newest criminal godfather, the big man, a.k.a. the Dominator, Dominic Var. A Spanish safecracker lands on the English coast and is whisked away to a secret meeting with none other than Var. His mission? To liberate a priceless sword forged when Summer was young, a sword whose un shakable thirst for life threatens the existence of all life. Uh, 
and lurking in the background plots a fugitive Nazi using Vars' rise to power and his own knowledge of the occult as cover for his plans to build a new Reich on British soil. Lost in time and brought together by destiny, can Sir Alastair Lethbridge-Stewart, Dayman Travers, and Brigadier Bill Bishop stop Britain being pitched into a new age of darkness? Bum, bum, bum. Um. I enjoyed the ride of this I, one. I, yeah, I think I did too. I, I, I don't know that I land on a love it or hate it um, side of it. I'm, it's my, my opinion will probably be a sort of middling, but let me, let me hear what you guys thought. If you start, I feel like I've been monopolizing the conversation already. Uh, this, this novel, I haven't been always the biggest fan of a lot of the, the laughing gnome stuff because it feels a little unnecessary step away from, you know, the stories I was really enjoying from the Lethbridge Stewart line. And this is, this is a little bit more of the same thing, but at least it's kind of set during unit times. And there's some nice fan service of, you know, referencing and of ambassadors of death and talking about, especially, uh, the doctor who and the Silurians of, and the after effects that had on Alice there. So there's a lot of these really cool little things in there for character moments for all of these characters, which I really appreciated. The plot itself is a little, I don't want to say dry, but it doesn't seem to serve Var as a character as well as I think it should have. Uh, and it's never really came clear to me other than, you know, his thirst for power and potentially to heal himself why he was kind of okay going along trying to get this sword. And really, it feels like the sword needed a little bit more development of what it was doing and how it was going to do what it did and kind of what the end game was other than, you know, I guess, ruling England. I mean, the it feels like there was a little bit too many ideas in this story. It was a little too too full and not fleshed out enough. Wow. Nail on the head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would concur. Like, so, I mean, we start with this idea that, that VAR is going to be the next criminal mastermind of the underworld. Okay, cool. And the, the bishops being police detectives. Okay, cool. That's a neat angle to work you know, against that, uh, you know, that, okay. I, I see where you're setting this up and, and then so we dropped nice to bring them together. Finally. Yeah. That was a really nice touch too. Um, and then we dropped the brig in on the other side that, that he's, you know, he's working quote unquote, uh, with the bad guys here. And it's like, Oh, okay, cool. And honestly, that would have been enough for me. I, I, I would have really liked that story had it been, richly developed and and as you pointed out the character beats were there um the, the, these are, are are situations and and you know the, the the way that was going that all worked for me um but the the the, the nazi and the um the sword bit and it, it just it added this extra element to it that okay yeah i guess it you know it increased the stakes, but it, it felt like, well, just too many ideas. 
It, it, was, it was one extra thing that was like, okay, that's kind of cool, I guess. But then we didn't really do enough with it. And as a result, I think all of the individual plot threads suffered a little bit. I still give it a Donna because I enjoyed the ride. And those character beats were enough to lift me through the plot. But yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. And I think had, you know, there's several dropped hints or not even hints. It is flat out said this was, you know, he later dies. Var, that is, later is defeated and is killed at a future point. And that's the story I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As, and because I was, I was really kind of jazzed about the story and what they were going to do with Var. Okay, this is how he's finally going to get defeated, etc. And then that happens. And it's like, well, okay, well, now I know he survives and escapes whatever happens in this story. So it kind of just took the legs out from underneath the, the story itself. Of, oh, well, there's no stakes for Var now in this story because mm-hmm. he's obviously going to go on and be defeated later by Lethbridge Stewart and uh, the three of them again. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, it's a middle adventure, but now I know it's a middle adventure, so I'm not going to be able to, and the stakes of it aren't going to be there like they should have. Had they not gave us those dropped hints or references of a future event that we haven't seen yet, it would be, it would. I think I would have enjoyed the ride even more so, not knowing what was going to happen. Agreed. Yeah, I, I, I straddled the... I straddled the fence on whether that was clever or whether that was foolish. And I think the reason I think that is because I kept reading it with the expectation that I already knew what happened. And so I kept finding myself trying to recall when they had engaged this character other than mutually assured domination. I was trying to remember when did, when did he, when was he responsible for Sally's death? When did, you know, I, I kept trying to think of when all of these things happened and it placing some of the stuff in their future that we're not familiar or not aware of yet. I sort of felt like I agree. It did. The, it did the story a bit of disservice. And, and I, I'm like you, Keith, I felt like it sort of pulled the legs out from under uh, VAR having any sort of, you know, or At at some point, I kept thinking, well, you know, VAR's safe in this. Now we've just got to get from point A to point B to see, you know, how he gets away or why he gets away or what. And so I I found myself anticipating that more than I should have and not in a good way, more of a, okay, well, how does he get out of this? Um, I think it it only works if we did already know what happens. Right. Exactly. Because we don't. Exactly. Um, And I think that I think you. I would concur with with what you guys both say about the about the sword. I think this either needed to be about Var coming to power and utilizing his power to set up this massive, you know, gang overlord situation that it felt like it was building to. Or it needed to be a story about this sword. And I think even the sword could have been the tool that Var was using in order to gain supremacy among all of the gangs and organized crime. But it seems like the, the, the sword has its own side story when you start introducing uh, Von Werner and you start introducing Arbonaut and you start introducing all of these other characters that have other motives 
and it seemed like we had these two we had var going after the sword because he just needs it to heal himself and we have these other guys going after the sword because it's this you know great nation destroying weapon and there's two things going here and it feels very schizophrenic as to what this book wants to be what the story in this book wants to be and so i think that was what i struggled the most with um, it does have some positive things. I think I agree with you guys that I enjoyed the ride because a lot of times when I'm not liking a story, I find myself setting it down and then reluctantly picking it back up to finish it or reluctantly picking up to go on and read. If I like a story, I am flipping through it and losing you know, the day and, and with my nose in a book all day and have lost track of time. This was more of a... I could pick this up and read a few chapters and set it down and then be excited to come back to it. But I wouldn't get completely like involved in it like a book that I really, really like. But I was enjoying it enough that I kept, you know, wanting to pick it up. I kept looking over and going, oh, I'm going to read a little bit more today. You know, that kind of thing. So it was good. I enjoyed the ride. I, I especially like the fact that all of our characters finally got back together again. I think that's the most important piece of these books is that these characters work well as a team they work well as a unit if i can borrow a, a word um <laughs> because they they work well off of each other they work well against each other they work well uh just based on their own uh, uh strengths and how each other uses the strengths of another so it was so much of a relief to find Anne and Bill find each other so early in this story and be working together and be in these situations where, uh, you know, they were forced to uncover what was going on together as a team, which I think a lot of these Laughing Gnome books have suffered from uh, having these individual stories of characters I absolutely love, but I don't get enough of the other characters um, working together. I also like the fact that Bill ends up working with the brig in trying to steal the, the or in the infiltrating the bank to get the sword. Um, I think one of my issues that I have with the brig's character in this is it he feels too reliant on the memories of the matador, and I think the problem I have with this is they leaned really heavy into the fact that the past memories of the people that they're uh in or have have leapt into play so much more into helping them and aiding them with their tasks whereas past books have s sort of hinted at that but there's been a lot of reliance on them trying to figure out what to do next and how you know using their 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 surrounding environment to figure out how to work it and make it believable that they are who they indeed are portraying Whereas the Matador felt like it's almost like the Brig just knew everything that the Matador knew. knew. And so that to me was almost a, a crutch or too, too much of a cheat that the Brig didn't have as much involvement as the person that he has, you know, leapt into or, or astral projected into. And so I had a problem with that because in that case, then the Brig doesn't feel as much like the Brig as he should for me because he's not relying on his own resources, his own wit, his own knowledge and intelligence. He's leaning too heavy on what the Matador has already put in place. I mean, if, if that's the case, just let the Matador do it, you know. So that was one of the weaknesses in the book, I think, that that, that I, I felt was, was a detriment to it. But uh, Robert Momoa... It's Momoli interesting that you say... It's interesting point. that you say leap. 
because I we, we've kind of all associated that you know that this is the Quantum Leap series of of the Lethbridge Stewart books, and I think maybe initially that was not planned on purpose, but as we've gone on, it certainly feels like they've begun to lean more and more into that. Like, well, people are going to equate it with this anyway. We might as well borrow some of the, you know, the tropes that the, the show uses. And I think that maybe that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed this one, because I'm such a Quantum Leap fan that it felt very familiar in a lot of ways that, that you, we didn't have to go in and explain. And certainly by this, you know, stage in the, in the run, we, you don't have to give too many ground rules for how this works. Um, but the memory thing is, is something that I feel like kind of came directly from Quantum Leap. Yeah. I think that's part of, I, I didn't realize it until you just uh, kind of eloquently put it, Glenn, is that was part of why I didn't enjoy the Briggs story as much in this book. I, I, I thought initially it was just because Bill and Anne were together again, and so I wanted to spend time with them because I enjoy their chemistry together. And while Lethbridge Stewart's section did elevate once they all got together, and then once he and Bill went off, it still quite wasn't as interesting as Anne's storyline throughout most of it. I think that's probably why is the dependence on the memory aspect. Yeah. Um, one of the strengths of this book too is I think Robert Malone is very good at painting a picture. He's really good at describing what is happening. He's very good at making me imagine in my mind what he's writing about. And so there's a strength there. Unfortunately, I think the plotting suffer, suffered because of all of these random elements that are what felt random. They certainly weren't. They did interconnect. Um, the, the gal shooting Von Werner at the end, I felt like was a bit. Well, I'll tell you, I think the whole end of the book felt like, uh, you know, <laughs> we always joke about um uh, Uncle Terry getting, you know, to near the end of the book and going, oh, well, I've got my I've almost reached my 180 pages. Um, it really kind of felt like Mamone may have got towards the end of this book and realized, you know, I I only have so many pages I can write. I should wrap this up because there's a lot that happens in the last two chapters that I felt that felt rushed to me that I think should have maybe played out a little more. And I think we spent a little too much time, although, again, I, I could see exactly what the Brig and Bill were doing as they were breaking into the bank, but I think almost maybe there was too much of that and not enough of that escape. Yeah. And then I also felt like it was a bit of a cheat to f go off to, although I don't know how else they got out of this, but to go off to Dougie and, and, and go to the loony bin and drop name drop. And, and, and certainly it makes sense to go there because of anybody, Dougie's going to, believe that and, and young husbands going to believe that having been in their situations where they're at. Um, so, but it, it felt like a bit of a cop out, like, Oh, I've got to, I got to get this. I need a device to rush this along so that we can get this, this moving. And I think that was, that was a challenge as well. The other thing that I, on, in the same breath that I'm saying, Mamone paints a really good picture. I think the one thing that I missed and maybe it was, it was my fault, not his is, when the when the brigadier gets in the gun battle, the brigadier it's resolved in such a way that I'm not quite sure what happened. Did everybody get 
that sick feeling and run off? Is that why he was able to stop the gun battle? Because it wasn't described well enough for me to understand. He got out of the car with the sword. Suddenly everybody's gone. And then he gets back in. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not supposed to, I'm not meant to think that he went into some mad rage and, and hacked everybody up. And so the only thing I can think is that they ran off because of that, but I don't think it was described well enough. So, but again, that may have been just me missing something. No, I kind of had the same thing. I kind of chalked it up to the presence of the sword. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think it is, is that, that everybody just had that, you know, Oh, I got to get away. Yeah, I, I you know I don't I didn't hate this one and and again I, I I wish more of these laughing gnomes would have them showing up and and at least figuring out at some point who's who and and working together again for a common purpose. Although now it it sounds like our next one will be the brig on his own since he was the only next one not two, to return. Oh yeah, there are two more, aren't there? So it'll be interesting and and I, I'm okay with that. We've had you know we've had brig books and we've had uh, bill books and we've had. Uh, I don't think we've had uh, uh, Anne yeah, on her uh, as much. Uh, well, not as much, but we've had uh, Fear of Web. Yeah, but they were all in, well, Bill was that... but but the, the brig was heavily. Yeah, featured. that's true. So. I don't know. I, I think my one wish for this book is, is you, 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 we talk about the, the, the plotting with the stuff. I kind of wish that we would have gotten a whole book about the sword. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the Nazi and all, all of those elements of it. Yeah. And deal with that adventure. And that gives us a really nice baseline. And then the next book comes along and it's Dominic going after the sword. Yes, yes. And then it's like, ah, okay. So now, cause, because now that we've been established and we know what this thing is capable of in his hands, oh boy. You know, it, 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 I think that would have really solidified the threat for me more you're I still enjoyed it you're absolutely right and that's why i felt like this was just two different stories that and it felt very schizophrenic it's because it didn't know which story it wanted to be but you're absolutely right had they done it in that way i think it would have worked a lot better um i do love the reveal of we've set the book up with a assassination attempt on uh well, not set it up, but early on in the book, we talk about the assassination attempt on Winston Churchill with the sword. And then mm-hmm. later find out that he was not trying to assassinate him. He was trying to give the sword to Churchill because he believed that once Churchill possessed the sword, that he would then team up with the Reich and they would dominate the world that way. I thought, what an interesting concept. I would never have thought to, to write something in such a way to to kind of turn something on its ear that you, that almost really was kind of, you know, cause we sort of even despite his misgivings, we sort of put Churchill up on a, on a pedestal because of the war hero that he was, because he did lead, you know, the uh, allied powers uh, out of the war. So, we, uh, you know, along with FDR and Stalin, but so we, we do give him a lot of credit and I think we sort of praise him, but it, it, it is kind of interesting to say, well, what if kind of situation. And, and I liked that about it. Very much so. Yeah. You know what else it needed? Quarks. Yeah. <laughs> I, that was another thing. We came up with, uh, I don't know why we had to do this. He came up with these golems that, golems? Yeah, golems that, that, yeah, that, that, 
got very little play, very little information about them, and maybe they'll be utilized later when we do finally get the final uh, Dominic Var. But I thought just as easily those golems could have been replaced with quarks. You know, have have some oh, sort yeah. of of new design of quark if you don't want to have the the same one. I mean, they already in uh, the the first Var story had the gave the quarks the ability of the the telescoping you know limbs and that, that could make them larger than life. I mean, give them some other sort of characteristic in this and make them a little more menacing if you need to, but let them be quarks because they are so. I mean, they're synonymous with the dominators. And they never really explained the golems either, yeah. how they operated or what their connection to the sword was or how, because he, he even had them before the sword, he had the sword. So it's not like it was, they were connected or anything. It was just, oh, he got these weird hulking things. Okay, right, whatever. Right. I wonder if that's a rights thing. Uh, well, no, because be. that's, 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 uh, the who, same, they, same they, author. It, well, they got, yeah, they got the rights the for writer. the dominators. I'm sure that they, that all of that would come along with the quarks. You would think that, you know, and I I just wondered if, well, I wonder if that's a possible, well, well, we could do this, but not that, or you couldn't mention them by name or, you know, whatever. Who knows? Some of that stuff might be piecemealed out too. So the dominators, we've the, maybe candy jar still retained those rights, but somebody else at the time was, you know, working with the quarks and they didn't want to, you know, cross anything that way. So there, I suppose that's possible as well. Well, well, it looks like we do have one more novel with Var, but it's not his demise. It's the other story that's referenced in this. Oh, it is. Okay. All right. And I was right to, I wasn't misremembering. We have not no. heard how Sally died, right? We have not. That has we not been not. revealed. Okay. All right. That was just a that struggle a- because I kept going through that trying. And, and sometimes that would take me, I didn't go look it up, which I probably could have, and then satisfied my curiosity but that was one of the things that sort of occasionally would take me out of the story is i i i try i'd go into a recall mode and try to figure out okay where did this happen what was i supposed do i am i supposed to remember this and and sometimes that took me out of the story a bit but not enough to make it you know oh god this is terrible but anyway. that was a bit of timey-wimey bit of timey-wimey yeah yep all right, well, last thoughts on this story before we move on to our schedule. For its problems, I still enjoyed it. I, I think of uh, the stuff that we've gotten from uh, Robert Mamone. It, it, it's, you know, this and Travers and Wells. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. keep, keep him in the stable. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> and like I say, I, th- I really do enjoy his writing. Uh, even if the plotting of this one suffered, I think that he he writes well, and I really enjoy. I, I it, he again he paints a really good picture uh, of what he's describing. All right, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, we return to Mucho Master in our year-long celebration of all things mastery with uh, some recent uh, big finish audios featuring Missy. We will be taking a look at the Missy series, uh, box set number one, uh, and we're going to break it into two parts. So uh, next uh, time we will do A Spoonful of Mayhem and Divorced, Beheaded, and Regenerated. <laughs> which I, I'm loving the titles. Uh, then the following time will be uh, The Broken Clock and The Belly of the Beast. Yeah. 
And I think uh, on the horizon, we have some Eighth Doctor adventures, a little bit of Torchwood. Of course, all of this is subject to change as we uh, grind down into the fourth quarter. Obviously, the show is going to return at some point. (laughs) At some point. At some point. We we thought for sure October, but now I'm sort of second-guessing that myself. Easter Saturday. (laughs) Uh, I do want to say we have, you have one more week to get your, uh, to get registered for your copy of uh, Candy Jar Books, Lethbridge Strick novel, Times Squared by Rick Cross. Uh, This is the special edition that uh, Rick has uh, generously given to us to give away, and it is a signed copy, and it does have the new short story. So you have one more week, exactly one more week from today, to win this autographed copy, all you have to do is tag Traveling the Vortex on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, and you need to use the hashtag Times Squared SE to be registered to win. And uh, if you have any uh, uh, trouble remembering that, uh, there is some visual reference on uh, Facebook. We're going to post a few more posts as well on Instagram and Twitter to remind people. One more week. One more week, guys. Uh think that is it unless you guys have uh, anything else you think we need to mention before we close the show be sure to check out traveling the vortex uh, for updates on the podcast obviously and if you get any value out of the podcast why not consider putting some value back into it you can do that by uh, becoming a patron and uh, click on that patreon link and consider supporting us if but not, that 501 sounded weird in your mouth, Because <laughs> it sounded weird in my ears. I bet your mouth was just like... 501. 501. It was a little odd. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. That's going to do it. Until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.